Hello, and welcome back to the Infus Podcast. <laughs> this is Brian. Uh, this is Daryl. We are not being held hostage to do this episode this week. <laughs> oh, I'm just teasing. Welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> I was going to say, are we doing something for some just talk radio thing? No, I just didn't feel like, like with, I didn't feel like going, hey, welcome back uh, to the Infos podcast. I, I was waiting for the classical music in the background. Dun, 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 dun. I thought you were welcome waiting to, to hear podcast. like the the click of the uh, the gun, like loading a chamber into the round, a, a round into the chamber. Um, anyway, this is episode 396, Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer justified the Adam Eve. Um <laughs> I thought that was a very creative title this week. Yeah, it was actually. So it kind of just worked out. Um, so we have three reviews today. None of them are Barbie. Yeah, sorry. So, um, Daryl forbade me from going to see Barbie. Oh, no, I, I just wasn't going to go see it. He said, if you want to keep podcasting with me, which obviously after last week, you all know I do. He said, you can't go see Barbie. And I said, you know what? I will make that sacrifice for our partnership and our friendship. And he said, you're damn right you will. So anyway. I'll take things that weren't said but are factually true for $1,000. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so funny. Anyway, uh, yeah, so this week we are uh, talking about the the random uh, Invincible Presents Adam Eve that just randomly dropped on Amazon Prime this week. Um, Justified City Primeval episodes one through three, uh, and Oppenheimer. Yeah, as far as the Adam Eve thing, maybe it was announced at San Diego Comic Con because it, it could have been. I don't know because I I watched a there was like a fifteen minute trailer uh, or trailer fifteen minute videos of several movie trailers, including Legend of the White Dragon, which I definitely want to see that. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the um, yeah Power the, Rangers, the Bat in the Sun, Jason thing. David Frank, yeah. yeah, his last one, yeah. But uh, so there was a, and it was in that the oh, Adam okay. Eve thing was in that. Oh, so I'm thinking it that was a it, that was a very unexpected. I, and I, I will say, very I, welcome surprise. I, yes, I find it funny with Comic Con real quick that like all these comic book pros were like, we don't need Hollywood. It was so much better without the Hollywood stuff this year. Um. I wonder if Comic-Con is going to start going back to being what it was with going uh, back to its roots. Yeah. With the comics, you know, they went back to its roots. It showed up in short boxes, your CGC grade complained. I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Uh, but yeah, D how you doing this week? Uh, doing pretty well. Uh, Coming off of the you know little jarring Transformers: Rise of the Beast watch along that I did for over uh, three days. But... Yeah, I apologize for that. But not bad, not know, bad. I don't know. So I, I watched like because it, it, uh, um, Rise of the Beast or Beast Wars or whatever the fuck it's called, Rise um, of the Beasts is on Paramount Plus, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna watch it. And then I sat and hate watched it for the next two hours. Um, <laughs> And like, again, like hating myself more for watching it because I definitely hate watched the Meg guest last night. And I actually like was like, this is this is the good kind of hate watch. Like, yeah, 
I hate that I enjoy this so much kind of a watch. <laughs> um, whereas Rise of the Beast, it's just like, this is, this is objectively awful. Like oh, whoever wrote this, like, I hope they're on strike and I hope when they go through and they're like, this is what they should do to get out of the strike is they can be like, okay, did you write rise of the beast? Okay. You are, you're out. You're not allowed in the union anymore. Um, <laughs> did you write the last Jedi? Yes. You, okay. You are out as well. You cannot be in any guild or, or union. Did you anymore. write any of these last three or four MCU shows on Disney plus? Right. You're out. You're are, out. You're done. Are, are you a, are or, you a writer for Disney plus in any way? You're well, out. Yeah, that's true. Just yeah. you're out. Um, do you, did you, or did you not race swap Jimmy Olsen at any time in any show? You're out. <laughs> oh, did you, or did you not foster any type of race swaps over the last six years? I'll, I would even just say six or seven years. Have, have you race swapped a ginger? <laughs> you're out. <laughs> yeah. Gotta go. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, so I, I don't even know how we got off on this tangent, but, uh, yeah. I, so, okay. Let's just, let's start talking. Let's, let's talk about good writing for a change yeah. and let's good. talk about yeah. invincible presents Adam Eve, um, on Amazon prime. So this is based on the invincible presents Adam Eve comic book, which I highly recommend. There's one for Adam Eve and there's one for Rex Blood. So I'm really curious if we're going to get a Rex Blood one and, I'm afraid they're going to give us Jason Mangdukas as a young Rex Blode, which I don't want. No, no. So, and again, a little background. Neither, both of us love the Invincible comic. Like we, it's my know, top, obviously top two favorite. Yeah, I love. I absolutely love the mm -hmm. comic. I loved it. Like just plain and simple, loved it. So when we talked about Invincible last year, we were coming from a per. A, a, two guys who really love the comic and we understand that there are going to be changes here and there. The changes they made, however, made us not like the show well, invincible. They took away all of Mark's like Markness and they made yes. him second fiddle to Amber to Amber. Who's yeah. like, like really like I get it. Seth Rogen, you hate yourself. You, you, you and Evan Goldberg hate yourselves, but like, we don't care what you think about the world. Just give us mm -hmm. the comic book like like Kirkman wrote it. Yeah. Like and again, yeah. this is one of those things that if you compare and it, not just because a comic is longer form, mm -hmm. just the the arcs of the characters, the invincible you got on Amazon Prime was objectively worse than the comic oh, from yeah. a character. He's a little cut bitch. Yeah. Now, even his mom, they changed her her oh, story yeah. arc. De Debbie was an alcoholic in the book. She fell apart, and then, and then in the second half of the story, it. yeah, she had this huge like Phoenix Rising resurgence where she became a fucking yeah. badass. And uh, yeah. I'm cursing far too much this week. Um, where she became a badass, and it's like, what are you doing? Like, why yeah. you you took they, like everyone likes to talk about agency in female characters, right? They literally took any agency she had away. Mm -hmm. By making her the way she, they did. Like, because she had nowhere to grow. She is literally, like, the bestest mom ever. And, you know, she, like, Mark, it was a huge thing for Mark to have to deal with, like, I need to take care of my mom, To I don't even want to be around my mom because she's, like, doing this. And I feel guilty right. for that, but I'm still a hero. So what am, what what's a, what's a guy to do? 
Yeah. And you don't get any of that. No. And again, yes, I know they ha- would have to have truncated some of that, sure. which is fine. You can still work with that. Or let it so, play out over multiple seasons. Yeah. So in that regard, we did not like season one of Invincible. Yeah. If, I, if I hadn't read Invincible, I would have still had problems with the season one, but I probably would have enjoyed it uh, to a point. But it's hard to kind of I mean, hard to. They nailed, dissociate they nailed the look, right? Everything looked yeah. like it was oh, absolutely. To. Yes. Omni-Man was perfect. Cecil was perfect, especially with, like, I was a little leery of Walton Goggins as the voice at first because I imagined Cyril to have a much more gravelly voice in my head, when yeah. I, in my mind's eye, when I or in my mind's ears, is the case maybe, when I read it. I don't know if that's a thing. Um, but It is now. It is now. I made it. Just like I, made, just like I manifested Soups and Lolo to be a thing. Um, mind's ear is now a thing. I, I heard it in my mind's ear. Anyway, uh, so this is a special pre- prequel episode. Um, it's actually like labeled as season two, episode one, which is kind of weird. Um, but it's exclusively exclusively on Prime, and it depicts how Samantha Eve Wilkins, also known as Adam Eve, grew up out of place in her family and discovers her tragic backstory and the origin and true potential of her powers. She was born as a government weapon manipulated at birth to have the supernatural powers to manipulate objects at a molecular level, but grew up with the Wilkins family after a sci- after the scientist who created her saved her from her fate. Um, so it sheds light on her past on screen, sheds light on how she received her powers and became a hero. Um, and it says here, season two of Invincible will return with the first half of the episodes coming November 3rd and the following half early in 2024. Um, this, so like, this is based, it's very close to the Adam Eve comic to be, to be hundred yeah. percent honest. Um, and it, it's the first half of that story. So I'm kind of, I was, I'm kind of hoping we get the second half. Um, but it was like spot on perfect. It was, it was like a note perfect version of the character. Um, and you know, the, I don't know who did the voice. Uh, it's like Jazlyn. Yeah, it's, it's, I've never saw that. I've never seen her name before. Yeah. Let me pull up IMDb. But anyway, um, it was, uh, it was really good. And, and, or she was really good as, as, as Eve. And yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I, I really like, I didn't have, yeah, you know, the complaints I had were not from the story art perspective. It was just from the perspective of any type of superhero when superheroes are fighting ever in fighting at all in, in the crowded areas and not and people are still driving like, oh, I don't see the bridge that just got blown up in my face <laughs> that, you know, that's just yeah. kind of like a funny little quip uh, nitpick I have. But from a story perspective, watching it play out and watching her develop her powers and, and understand her powers and watching her try to, what was it? A, a squirrel or saying, Hey, I want oh, a dog or yeah. something like that. And realizing that, you know, some of, some of the restraints she has become, a that's pup. what you like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what you like where you see characters working through their powers and understanding, Oh, I can do this. I can't do this. You know, failing, trying, failing. Oh, I getting better at it. That's what you call character growth. It's not getting uh, like secret invasion and getting you know doped up with twenty characters' powers and then being able to use them right away. Right. Which yeah, you're the right. less about secret war- invasion, we say, the better. <laughs> Literally, the worst MCU show out there. 
I don't know. I didn't watch it. Oh, oh no, the, I'm just talking the, about the they're, ratings. They're doing an Andor thing with the uh, the first three episodes of uh, Secret Invasion on uh, on Hulu. Don't do it. I'm not Don't going. Do no, I'm not. I, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I have your Disney Plus, like, to watch yeah. the shit you make me watch. So you know, I watched the first three episodes, and I and I, I I hate myself for it. Yeah, I mean, it's okay. You can hate yourself a little bit. That's fine. I mean, <laughs> it, it wouldn't be horrible. It wouldn't be horrible to hate yourself for that. Um, <laughs> anyway, no, but so I mean, this was really good. I, I really enjoyed. Um, I, I really enjoyed watching her learn how to use her powers. Mm-hmm. I thought that was great. Um, I think that, uh, again, the art was really good. I, 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 you know, the one nitpick I had was the, the like leaving a little girl home with a boy babysitter. Like that was you know, very weird. That was odd because in, in the comics, like her dad, well, Mr. Wilkins is very like, no boys around like you're not to you know he's 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 very yeah. uh protective of her quote unquote maidenhood if you will um and then when he finds out like you know she's not as like good and pure as he wants her to be like he reacts badly <laughs> yeah that was a very interesting choice but, I, I don't recall that part like how they did it in the comic but even if that was in the comic that is very weird yeah. Well, because like in the comic, when Mark starts like dating her and everything, and he meets her, um, Mark goes to meet the Wilkins, um, and and he takes Mark outside to smoke a cigar, and he's like, "I I know you know that she's been used by Rex Blode, and I I really appreciate like it's like oh my god, <laughs> what like, is dude, dude? This isn't the 1700s. Yeah, like <laughs> you know, you, you, Mark's not expecting like two goats, a cow, and four acres with some hay, you know. Um, <laughs> He, you know, Mark is damaged goods too. So, yeah, you know, there's, there's that. Um, but no, it was, it was just funny. I like, I don't know. I just found it funny. Um, but there was, you know, there was, there was a lot to this that I thought they did well. I, I don't, they did way more well than they did wrong. So like, yes, um, absolutely. Out of like, you know, so I, I said out of five spot on character representations, I gave it mm-hmm. a 4.59. Uh, I gave it a 4.44. 4.44. 4. 4. Dude, that's, that's the mark of the beast. That's like some Satanist shit there with the fours. No, it's it's a number four. Call Blake Maislin. Actually, if you were Asian, it would be good luck because four is a lucky number, I think. Or four is a bad luck number. I don't know. There's something about luck with oh. fours with... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I learned it from watching Fresh Off the Boat. Um, I (laughs) it obviously didn't stick. Um, But uh, but no, the animation is great. The characters are great. The um, the phases two, three, four, and five, or two, three, and four that came after her um, were they looked great. Like it was it it wasn't as gratuitous as like um, the Invincible main series when they were fighting and stuff. Um, I like Steven Root as the the scientist who who made Eve. It was it was cool. I I wish that when they, because the there was a baby that was the baby killed the mom the or this Eve killed her mom essentially when she was being born. Um, kind of like what happened to Rebecca in the comics for the boys. Um, 
but that baby died and the Wilkins baby was stillborn. And so he swapped them. And I kind of wish they would have shown them doing that. I kind of get why they didn't. Right. Cause it's a little triggering. Yeah. But it was just kind of weird. Like, yeah. Oh here, like your baby is alive. All of a sudden she must be a fighter. And it's like, Hmm, there's some shenanigans here and we didn't see what the shenanigans were. And you know, like I get it. So, um, the the use of the powers too when she was learning to fly was really cool. Yeah, and and again, that's that's what we like is that again. That's one of my favorite kind of things. In you know, you have the mm-hmm. montage of the training of any you know, just no matter where it is, but where guys guys you know like extraction too, where he's trying to train to get yeah. get healthy, or where you see you know training to get better. Mm-hmm. And I like watching that from a character. One of the things that when and I think about how very rarely you get this with female characters. Mm-hmm. One of the characters that I was tepid on, a bit tepid on, but they did show a little bit is the that Hulu Prey movie where you see mm-hmm. her practicing, yeah. you know, throwing the axe. So I she's just not very good at t- it. That was the yeah. thing. She was never yeah. good at it. It's like, okay, wait, yeah, she's gonna beat the predator by her. Self? Right. Are yes. you sure? <laughs> but watching a character get better, that's what we want to see. Yeah. It's because we, we don't want to see, see characters, characters grow. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want to see them be the bestest ever from the beginning. It, it, there's no there's no growth. And that's what you get with Eve. You see her, like I said, experimenting with her powers, seeing what she can and can't do, mm-hmm. figuring how how much she actually can do. That is what makes you know her character growth in this in this you know, special, I guess you would call it. Mm-hmm. Um, very that that's one of the strongest points of it is that it you see her grow. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was the problem with like Ray and Star Wars. There was no actual growth there. She was already perfect. Yeah. Which you know is kind of weird. Um. Anyway. 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 Okay. Let's. Uh, Let's hop over to to Justified. All right. So we are going to be talking about episodes one through three. So that is uh, episode one, City Primeval, episode two, The Oklahoma Wild Man, and then episode episode three, Backstabbers. Um, so I added in the show notes, um, I added a, a spot for because they had how many people viewed, how many people watched it. Um, mm-hmm. and that was on the Tuesday night FX showing, uh, just in the U S so the premiere, which is, this is really funny. So the premiere had 4,930,000 people watch, but the second, uh, the second episode had 8,848,000 and the third episode had 5,600,000. Interesting. It's so interesting. Now the second episode was really good, was really, really good. Right. Um, so I wonder if people are like, well, just like skip, just watch the previously on part of it. And then watch. <laughs> um, so the show picks up 15 years after the series. Um, Raylan is on his way to, you know, he has a girl in the car. We don't necessarily, we don't know it's Willie yet. And um, then their, their car gets hit by some gun thugs because they had guns. So we can we can call them gun thugs because that's what they called them in Justified, trying to steal his car, um, 
And then he does the Raylan thing and he like throws them in the trunk and <laughs> leaves them in the car while he goes and does other stuff. Which I, I find I, now I have a quite I do have a question if someone didn't watch the end of Justified. Mm-hmm. Was she was she born at what? When was she born? So she like in, she's in the last two seasons. She's a baby, and then in the fina- so there's going to be a couple spoilers. So I'm unfortunately I'm going to have to spoil it on a few things. Um, so she's born, and then in the series finale, there was a four year time jump in the mid part of the episode. So she was oh, okay. she was about four years old. So they aged her up a little bit here um, as well because. Um, I'm sorry, it's eight years later, not 15 years later. Um, so they aged her up a little bit. But uh, but yeah, and it's his daughter, uh, Vivian Oliphant, who is playing her. And she's the worst part of the show. You know, I don't mind just like hammering on regular actors, but this is this is her first acting credit that I could see. Yeah. And she 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 does need work. Yeah. I did I did say she did a great job in one scene mm-hmm. where she sees there's the anger part of daddy coming out. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well and, and it Yeah, sorry, go ahead. And the one thing that it's tough, I guess I got over it with her, but um what is her name? Julia, uh, Julie, she played Darla and Rita, uh, Darla and Buffy and Julie Benz. Julie Benz. She has that little breathy type baby voice. voice. Yeah. Yeah. Which it took me a while to get over with her. Mm -hmm. And this, you know, and and Vivian has that same type of similar type of voice that it can be kind of annoying. But yeah, she's the, she's not a great part of the show right now. Her, and it's not just the character. The character is, you know, I guess fine. Although walking through downtown Detroit, like she did yeah. in episode two, yeah, like WTF. It's like, oh, okay, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, you're walking through Detroit. That's so weird. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's a, uh, I don't know. So yeah, I, it all starts with um, him getting up there. And so he ends up in Detroit because of the guy, he, the guys he arrested, like they were from Detroit. And when he sent them back, he had to testify. And then um, Carolyn Wilder is the character's name played by, uh, on Janu Ellis, is that how you say that name? Uh, sure. Uh, we'll go with that. But she, um, she, she turns things around on him. I actually really like that character. I, I think she's a, she's a great foil for Raylan, and um, you know, because like out um the the ADA the um and uh, or the the um, uh what was it the U.S. Attorney Attorney um. In, in justified just was not a match for Raylan and and um, mm-hmm. in the rest of that office. But she's like, you know, she just keeps constantly putting him in his place, and like, you know, she's she's definitely like a cutthroat lawyer. But I like her because like she does not want to be doing what she's doing. Mm-hmm. Like she does right. not want to be um, representing Clement Manziel, 
who was played by Boyd Holbrook, who is fantastic. Um, I like how he's a different character than Boyd Crowder. Right. He's very different. He is not as calculating. He's much more emotional. And he has no qualms about going after Raylan's family. Yeah, that was... Yeah, and again, that happens in episode two where he's like, oh, so you, you come visit me, I will take a visit for you. And yeah, I like Boyd Holbrook in general and most of the stuff I've seen him in. Right. But I, he he is that that type of, you know, because you, you hear a lot when they say a, a villain is off the rails or unpredictable. Yeah. And he is absolutely that unpredictable guy because like you said he's not calculating not really at all he's he's very uh he has no he does his patience like where he's doing they're doing the mark thing with his girlfriend and the uh, albanian guy for example he he he, he, what do you say he has no chill none no no there is there's no chill in in uh in clement (laughs) because again all of this happens because he has no chill where he gets upset yeah, because the judge who was played by Keith David right. uh, basically cuts him off when he's you know in traffic. Well, not in traffic, but in the parking garage where he's trying to follow his girl to the Mark's house. Right, 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 right. And that it, that's just funny because all of this start this whole ball gets start rolling because of his inability to control himself. Yeah. So I, I find that intricate because, that, again, that's going to a guy like that. That's always going to be his downfall. But until it is his downfall, he is a very, very dangerous mm-hmm. adversary. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I did like the second episode at the beginning because it has a flashback to what got Boyd or Boyd, what got Clement in trouble. Um, and one of the interesting things. So City Primeval is a short story or a book. Sorry. And it features a character named Raymond Cruz. Um, (laughs) This is kind of hilarious. So so Raymond Cruz is in that scene, but it's the same actor, Paul Calderon, who played him in Out of Sight. Oh, so like, I, like it's like nice because like so Out of Sight with George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez is yeah, I remember that uh, an Elmore Leonard book. Um, just just like with Karen Cisco, this um, who. Jennifer Lopez played, and then Carla Chan Gugino. Gugino, thank you, um, played her on the TV series, and then she was on an episode of Justified. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so like it's like a whole like thing. Um, so I, I thought that was that was really cool to see, and and having Raymond Cruz in there because this story was it, it was changed a little bit to include uh, Raylan in 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 Willa. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Vonde Curtis Hall plays Sweetie, um, who's the neighborhood bar slash drug dealer. Everything um, you might remember him as Ben Ulrich in the Daredevil series. Um, yes, he's. I love seeing him and stuff. He's really good. He's a great actor. He's that guy too. Yep. Um, and then um, Norbert Leo Butts who plays Norbert Brill, the detective. He was in, um, he was the, the youngest brother in that show Bloodline with uh, Ben Mendelsohn and Coach Taylor on mm-hmm. Netflix. 
So I don't know if you remember that one or not. Yeah, um, I remember that. Yeah. So yeah, so he's like, so it's kind of cool to see some of these actors like doing other roles. Um, I don't know. And then uh, Victor Williams from King of Kings or King of Queens is uh, is the the tall black cop who's who's mm-hmm. with Rayland a lot. Um, but yeah, so I, I so I think the way I would rate them is I like the the first episode the best. Or sorry, the second episode the best, the third episode second, and then the first episode I thought was kind of it was great getting back into it, but it was like the lightest on story. Right. Um, it was more dealing with you know getting you familiar. Yeah, it was all it, it was setting the table. Yes. Yeah, it was setting the table. Which again, we talk about this a lot with first episodes. That's why you can't you generally generally cannot judge a series by the that first episode because it's trying to do so much. It's, it's going to have some hiccups along the way. Right. Um, and then you've got like for, for, I I keep wanting to call him Boyd for, uh, for Clement, you've got Sandy, his, his girlfriend, whatever hostage, um, whatever she is partner in crime. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she's an interesting character. Cause she obviously was like not super happy to see him when he showed back up, but she just fell right back into the, uh, the hostage situation that she had herself in there. Yeah. It's yeah. She's very interesting because I, like, I'm not sure of quite sure yet of her motivations. Right. And she hit like the you said, instead of getting rid of it. Yeah. Right. Um, so I, I, I find that interesting to see where we go with her. Yeah. Yeah, but she definitely can't. She definitely has an attraction to Clement. I almost called him boy too just now, but to Clement. But it it it'll be interesting to see if she will be help uh, as a part of his downfall. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, okay. So out of these first three episodes, because I definitely want to. I don't want to spoil too much. So, um, right. Out of ten, what happened to Boone's hats? And I'll explain. What do you give this out of ten? Uh, three point six seven. No, out of ten. I thought it was. I sorry. oh, out of ten. Yeah, sorry. Oh, oh, I give this uh, uh, you know, six point seven five out of ten. Okay, cool. Yeah, I went with the seven point five out of ten. Just, I mean, I'm I'm gonna be more biased for sure, but um, mm-hmm. so in the finale, there is a gun thug that they have going after Raylan, who's also a quick draw guy. And um, he spends like the last couple episodes of the series, like trying to find a hat because he likes Raylan's hat. And like, he kind of like, he actually kind of like really looks up to Raymond Raylan. Raylan. It's almost like a, but it's almost like a doc holiday, Johnny Ringo thing between the two of them. Um, Mm -hmm. And so Raylan gets shot by this guy, like a grazing shot to the head, but it, put a bullet through his Stetson. And so he took Boone's hat as a trophy and he's wearing it at the end of the series. And it's like, it's a cool, like it was a custom made Stetson. It's black. It's like, where is Boone's hat? Like he, that's the hat. Like he shouldn't like, you know, it's like, ah, no, no, that, that Stetson got shot. We don't need that one back. We need the black one. (laughs) So, um, that's where, that's where that comes from. But it's, uh, Yeah. I don't know. It's cool. Like I like it. I'm glad it's back. Um, it's eight. It's only eight episodes, um, so we're we're three episodes in. We've got five weeks left. Um, I'm excited to see where it goes. We'll probably talk about it each week from here from here on out. Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah. 
Um, but yeah, it was it was good and, and it was a lot of fun. All right, so last topic of the day, um, and I'm super excited for this one, Oppenheimer. Um, so just let's get it out of the way. Out of ten, no time for pee breaks. I give, give this a seven point seven. No, uh, yeah, I give this a seven point seven six. Wow, way to way to way to prices right me there, buddy. I, you know it's funny because when I got on your notes, I told I I said my to myself I said what I was going to give it, and yeah. then I saw what you said. I was like, oh geez. So, <laughs> so I went I went seven point seven five. Um, so we talked about this. Like we'll get we'll get into the, to the movie. We talked about this when I was leaving the theater on um, Wednesday, and I, I I have to say like I told you this isn't my favorite movie I've seen this year. So far, that that's Mission Impossible, um, Dead Reckoning Part One, um, but this is definitely the best movie I've seen this year. Yeah. So this one of the things that holds a movie like this down for me, again, just for me, is because you have when I when I'm reading a movie, I'm not just reading you know the technical mm-hmm. stuff, the acting and special effects or the story, but I'm also thinking about the replayability or rewatchability for me. There are great movies that I've like, which I, movies I would call great that I haven't rewatched often at all. And this mm-hmm. would be one. This wouldn't be one that I. And, and again, I I've had a week to kind of think about it, and I started listening to American Prometheus, which the movie is based on. I've, I'm only like three chapters in, but I think I probably will rewatch this more than I thought. I said I think I told you I'd probably watch this once or twice. And, you know, the rest of my life, like this is a movie I could probably see myself watching every two, three, four years or something like that. So in that regard, I, I agree with what you're saying. It's not as rewatchable as the Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. It's not as, as rewatchable movie, as like Gladiator. No, it's you not. Know, or, or Shawshank. It's not. I like I, I no, put it's this not. very much in the vein of Shawshank with the like the plotting and the way right. it happens and jumping back and forth yeah. between times. Um, yeah. And again, I think it's a fantastic movie. It's like so well done technically. And yes, it is absolutely if you did not know, if you if you went to go see this movie and didn't know it was a Christopher Nolan movie, I guarantee you after watching it, you'd be like, I'm pretty sure this is a Christopher Nolan movie. You would you would know by like ten minutes of the movie, this is definitely yeah. a Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah, it's like watching um, a Michael Bay movie mm-hmm. or Zack Snyder. Yeah. You, you know. You just know. But yeah, it doesn't have that like beat dropping Lincoln Park just badassness ending of Transformers. But <laughs> dude, if they um, would have done it with <laughs> Dude, it gets to the end. What I <laughs> My um, name is J. Robert Oppenheimer. And I am the I father have that. of the No, 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 hold on. My name is J. Robert Oppenheimer. I am the father of the atomic bomb. And I am become death. But yeah, now I I want to see if I can make that into like a cut. Dude, that would be awesome. (laughs) How Oppenheimer should have ended. Um, Yeah. So, okay. So this is very much the the Nolan nonlinear storytelling. I think he does a really good job with how it's shot and lit and colored between what is which timeline. What is the past? Mm-hmm. And I like how he does the near future in black and white. Well, the near future is, and, and I, I read this and, and I could see it like 
go happening is that is from what's his name Louis Strauss. Yes, Louis. That Strauss. was from his point of yeah. his point of view, mm-hmm. which I thought that was that was very creative because I remember seeing the trailers and I'm wondering what is going on with the black and yeah. white. Why does Robert Downey Jr. look just like Jeremy Irons in this movie? That's what I was yes. thinking for the first 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> so I, I like how they covered the Manhattan Project. Uh, I thought that was great. Um, this is definitely my favorite performance by Florence Pugh. Oh, yes. <laughs> Hands down. <laughs> um, you know, I think the Ludwig uh, Gorenson, uh score, very, very well done. Very well done. Um, this is the guy who scores, um, the Mandalorian, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, I don't know. He did Creed and Creed two. So I know that I thought he did the Mandalorian. Maybe not. Oh yeah, he does the Mandalorian. He also did community. Very funny. Um, <laughs> so the, the score in this is great. And again, this is one of those one where when the score is not there, it's, it's a power, you know, it's a powerful scene. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and yeah, score was good. And there were a couple moments where I thought they overused that, you know, that dong, just that, that deep bass type to convey a tense moment. Just a little bit, like not not to the point that it was really distracting, but there was a couple times where I was like, okay, you probably didn't need it to be that much here. The acting is fantastic, just just across the board. I I, yeah. I don't even need to. The only one I would really highlight is because she's been he was almost in every scene mm-hmm. is is Killian Murphy. Oh yeah, who was I mean he is just incredible as Oppenheimer, and there's no, there's I don't I can't I couldn't even tell you if there is not a bad acting. There's not any bad acting in this that I can think of. I mean, maybe Jack Quaid, just because it's well, like he looks like Huey so much that it's like I don't, I don't know, I don't know what's happening here. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, I was really surprised to see Casey Affleck in it as Boris Posh. Um, I didn't know he was going to be in it. Um, I enjoy, I love David Crumholtz as uh, as Izzy. I thought he was great. Um, Jason Clark was great, but like, so this is one of my nitpicks is the makeup I thought was really bad. The makeup was very bad. Um, There were, I mean, to the point of where I'm saying watching is like, that looks really bad. Yes. Um, His makeup was, was especially bad. It made his face look super, super plastic. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that was that was not great. Um, Dane DeHaan showing up as as General Nichols was really cool, or Major Nichols, sorry, was really cool. Um, Kenneth Branagh as Niles Bohr was great. Yeah. Um, so the the movie is based on a book called American Prometheus, which I read the first half of like ten years ago, mm-hmm. um, like in like twenty thirteen or whatever, and I had to return it before I got a chance to finish it. So I'm re-listening mm-hmm. to it, which you are as well, right? Yes. So, Yeah, um, I just started it. Yeah, it's really good. I, I always recommend, if you listen to audiobooks, 
especially um, biographies or, or actually for any audiobook, listen to it at 1.4 speed because it makes everything sound way more exciting. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. So. Actually, um, <laughs> but I, yeah, I, I I thought I thought the casting. I'm teasing about Jack Quaid. I thought the casting was really great. It was weird seeing Josh Peck show up. Um, you know that that was that was the thing. Um, but I, I think everybody played their roles well. I think Matt Damon. I think Matt Damon is going to be the most underrated thing about this movie. Oh yeah, he was great. I mean, and it's funny reading about Matt Damon and saying that he was going to take a break from acting unless he got a call from Christopher Nolan, which I thought was very funny. Yeah, that's um, funny. Yeah. But yeah, I I, I mean, I have no, I have nothing but great things to say about the acting, the cast, the the pacing was very kind because this is over a three hour, a three hour plus movie, which... I think we know it's right at three hours. It was okay, right at three hours. Yeah. So, but um, this, that was one of those that we both said it could have, you know, you, there could have been 30 minutes. They probably could have cut out. Yeah. And just to have helped with the pacing, some of the storylines may have gone on too long. Mm-hmm. But again, these are, these are, these are absolutely nitpicks. Oh yeah. It, it's um, the other un like underrated was uh, Josh Hartnett as Ernest Lawrence. Like, yes, because Josh Hartnett is like borderline unrecognizable as an adult. Yeah. Like, he's, you know, he's I mean, I've always liked him. Like he did that uh, 40 Days and 40 Nights movie about Lent where he gave up sex, which I thought was it's just fantastic. Growing up Catholic, it's fantastic. Um, But no, Florence Pugh, obviously, I ingest like, you know, she's naked for like 20 minutes in this movie. Um, But, you know, ingest it's. uh it's I mean, she's, you know she's great in this role. Yeah. So um, yeah, and the way she killed herself, like that that Jean Tolt, uh, Tatlock killed herself, is crazy. I know. Yeah. That's who drowns themselves like that. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, Rami Malek showing up. I'm, I'm I'm always a big fan of seeing Rami Malek in this thing, uh, or in anything. I I think uh, I love like. This is probably in my top three of Nolan movies. Hmm. Inception, Memento, and in this, in any given order, like no particular order there. Yeah. Uh, uh, again, love Inception, love Memento. And this is definitely like this is I, I put this around a little ahead of I a movie that I liked later on after seeing it, which was interstellar because I thought it was overrated. Yeah. And then I thought about it. I really liked the concept and some of the things they did, but this movie wasn't, isn't one of those necessarily that I had to think about and feel like it was a better movie. Yeah. I just thought about it. What I changed over the last week or so was that I think I'll watch this a little bit more than I thought. Yeah. So, um, so, like, when it comes to Nolan, like, um, did you ever see Following? Did you ever watch that one, his first film from 98? No. It's this guy who just follows people. And he ends up following, like, criminals and stuff like this. When he fails to, like, keep his distance from normal, he gets, like, drawn into it. It's really good. Um, the only movie of his I've never seen is The Prestige. 
uh, the prestige is so great. Um, I love that movie. I liked Batman Begins. I tolerated the Dark Knight. I hated the Dark Knight Rises. So yeah, there's that. Yeah. Um, so I was I, I actually was thinking like what do like when I was thinking about my top three, you know, you had Inception, you had Memento. I think the prestige still takes a spot for yeah. me above this movie. So I liked Interstellar fine. Like I've seen it once. If I never see it again, I'm okay. Uh Tenet we saw in the theater um together. Yeah. And I was not as kind to it as you were. Um, I liked the roles. I liked Robert Pattinson in that movie. I really liked um, Black Panther. I'm sorry, um, John David Washington. Um, so, um, Aaron Taylor Johnson's really good in it. Seriously, too. Marvel, get your shit together. John David Washington. Yeah, he's right there. He's badass. Um, I didn't like Dunkirk because, like. I realized, well, it's not that I didn't like Dunkirk. Like, I appreciate Dunkirk for what it is. But, like, you don't actually know any characters' names. Like, nobody, yeah. like, talks Dunkirk, to each other. Yeah. yeah, Dunkirk was one of those you would say, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. But, yeah, so. Um, but, honestly, for a, for a 12-movie filmography, like, he's doing pretty good. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, so, I know. I, I, before the movie or after the movie, I looked at his filmography and I'm like, yeah, you know what? That's a pretty strong resume. Yeah. And I mean, in, when you look at like um, Oppenheimer, it's right now like as through Thursday. Um, so we're recording this on Saturday. So through Thursday, it's sitting at 239 million, almost 200. It's almost 240 million globally. Um, 127 domestically. I mean, it's hitting right in line with the rest of his movies. Like as far mm-hmm. as, you know, 80 to hundred million for that first week or so. Um, I will say, I think that, uh, I think this movie, it was only a hundred million dollar budget. So it's probably pretty close to breaking even, uh, after, like I said, Saturday. So this, after this weekend, it will definitely have broken even. Um, whereas I think Barbie probably has got maybe another week to get there. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So again, I, I think this is, this was a very strong movie on a very, very interesting subject to me for the, for the fact that, you know, I've, I've kind of probably glossed over this over a lifetime uh, at the like 64,000 foot level. Yeah. But, you know, getting more into it, again, that's why I got the book, is because this movie made me more interested. And not just Oppenheimer himself, but the entire, you know, whirlwind project, the Trinity project, and everything that went on in that. And just learning more about, you know, this guy and everything that he went through and, you know, all this stuff that followed. Because, again, I, I thought for me, and I think you said you liked the last hour of the movie the most, where it's I a did, lot of, like, after the Trinity. But I like the politics stuff. Like, I like, because yeah. I like, in my free time, I want, I have C-SPAN as my, you know, white noise. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. No, I, I really did. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I liked the whole back and forth. I liked the trial. I liked what Kitty did when his wife, when she um, showed, you know, she she stepped back and showed how powerful she really was. 
um, when she had to oh, stop yes. treading in an alcoholic haze. Uh, you know, I, I think. Uh, oh, Alden Ehrenreich showing up was was yeah. a, like it's like man, he got done dirty by Solo. <clears throat> Lost money. Yeah, I mean, Raylos are weird. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, Jeremy. Um, but yeah, I, like at the end of the day, like Oppenheimer's a great movie. It really is. Now, here's my question. So the Oscars have changed their requirements for diversity for what can get nominated for Best Picture. Does that start next year for films in 2020, made in 2024? Or is it starting with the 2024 Oscars? I can't find the answer. Let, let me, I just checked. Uh, let's see, the Academy. What are the new Oscar rules? But when do they go into effect? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Group B, Group C. Uh, I'm not finding when it goes. Okay, into it effect. says here for the 96 Oscars, so 2024, a film must meet two out of the four of the following standards to be deemed eligible. Uh, st uh, standard A, on-screen representation, themes, and narratives. So at least one of the lead actors or significant actors is from an underrepresented racial or ethnic group. Um, so a two general ensemble cast, at least 30% of the actors in secondary or minor roles, uh, at least two of the following groups, women, uh, racial or ethnic groups, LGBT. Oh, I wonder if it gets away with it because there's so many uh, ethnic Jews in the movie. There are characters that were, I wonder mm -hmm. if the actors, so. um, the main storyline subject matter has to deal with women, racial or ethnic groups, LGBT people with cognitive, um, issues, creative leadership and project team, um, needs to have women, racial, blah, blah, blah. Um, other key roles, at least six other crew and team technical positions need to be whatever first AD gaffer. Like, I don't think this movie is going to qualify for best picture with these rules. Yeah, it's, and again, this is a shame. And it, it's, it's one of the things, and I know we're getting a little bit away, but I like it, it this is an aberrant, this just, it's disgusting to have something like this, that a movie like this, and it possibly won't be nominated for some arbitrary rules on diversity and inclusion and i say that with the utmost scorn and i mean as, this as is possible. legit like i haven't heard anyone talking about this i'm super curious about it it's the first thing i walked out thinking about because this will this definitely should be the best picture of 2020 2020 yeah see, I, and again i didn't even think about that because i i don't fall you know i don't follow a lot of oscar stuff i remember them saying that a few years ago but like like i didn't i that didn't even cross my mind because it shouldn't cross anybody's mind yeah. as far as why uh, why a movie should or should not be nominated yep. or any person should, should or should not be nominated. Yeah, you shouldn't be nominated based on anything other than your performance. So it says here for the 94th Oscars 2002, the 95th Oscars, or sorry, 2022, 95th Oscars 2023, submitting a confidential Academy Inclusion Standards form will be required for Best Picture consideration. However, meeting the inclusion thresholds will not be required for eligibility in the Best Picture Academy 
Best Picture category until the 96th Oscars 2024. For the 96th Oscars 2024, a film must meet two out of the four of the following standards to be deemed eligible. I do not, like, I'm like, you know, unless we go through and look at the IMDb and, like, pull up every single person working on it, I do mm-hmm. not believe it will it will make it. Yeah. All, so yeah. all categories in other than best picture will be held to their current eligibility requirements. So to be best picture, it has to meet those diversity standards. Yeah. And I wonder if they're going to change that. Yeah. I, I don't even know. What, I, I, I don't have any, any nice things to say about that. And those, the people who thought this was, you a know, good it's, idea. it's this kind of shit that makes me want them to strike forever. I, I was just, my thoughts just now were, this is why I want Hollywood to burn to the ground. Yeah. And this was posted because of stuff like this. So this is posted on the Oscars, um, website, um, from two Tuesday, September 8th, 2020. Yeah. That's where, yeah. Like these, these are the established standards. They have not, it has not been updated since then ridiculous it's like ridiculous it's such a good movie um yeah Ah. who knows we'll see um we'll see hopefully fans can be like uh yeah no we uh we want this this is our best picture yeah so whatever yeah yeah it, it i hope it i Again, I, I, I've never cared about the Oscars because I've always thought it's just a popularity contest, even yeah. like back in the day. I, sometimes the right movie wins. Oftentimes it's this, the movie that is Oscar bait, as they, as they would say, that doesn't necessarily, to me, there's been too many cases of movies nominated, not, not necessarily winning. Parasite? Like, that movie was horrible. Yeah. Like I could see yeah. it winning best foreign film, but best picture overall, like no, no, no. Look, no, no. I had fun. I had I had a lot of fun watching Avatar, the in the two thousand and nine movie, mm-hmm. the Blue People movie. Mm-hmm. The fact that it got nominated for best picture. Well, I mean, James Cameron is the reason it got nominated for best picture. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's like, but um. Argo not getting nominated for best picture because Ben Affleck directed it or whatever. He didn't get directed director or like, um, the, um, the one with Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. Oh, uh, stars born a stars born. He didn't get nominated for best actor or best director. Sorry. He, I don't think he got nominated for best actor either, which like he turned himself into that character. He learned how to play goddamn guitar. So, yeah, um, no. So like kind of to rope it back into to Oppenheimer, though, like like this is this is the best movie of the year so far. And I'm, I'm kind of hard pressed to think about um, a better movie like I like yeah. with what's coming out. Like, I'm not I'm not so sure. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, that's a good. good I, I don't see any movie that I've seen so far. Or that I know is coming out, and then there might be some that I don't know that I, I just slip in my mind. But I don't think I can't think of any right. that 
has the the, the credentials of acting, mm-hmm. of directing, mm-hmm. of being a movie as this mm-hmm. movie. Notice I left out the uh, makeup part because. <laughs> well, I, well, I will say, I will say, costume design costume though. Design costume design was yeah, yeah. Costume design is excellent as well. Yeah. And you know the other thing that you like to talk about so much, your favorite Oscar count category, sound. Yes, sound yes. design. Yeah, sound design was great, but yeah, I mean it kind of always is with him. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it was, it was, it was really good. It was it was really good. Um, um, but yeah, it's uh, <sighs> it it'll be frustrating. So, but yeah, um, yeah definitely we'll go see this. Did. Definitely pee before the movie starts. <laughs> um, if you're gonna be drinking lots of liquids, drink hydrating liquids with salt in them. So the so the liquid doesn't just run through you. Um, that that's always a good uh, a good life lesson there. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not constantly peeing. Um, but yeah. All right. Anything else you want to add? Uh, no, I do not. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week. Um, Heels kicked off. I don't know if you watched it last night or not. Um, no, I didn't watch it, but it was, uh, it was interesting. So we'll be, we'll be talking about that and justified city prime evil for sure. And probably some news to, to catch up on. So anyway, all right. Well, thank y'all for listening. We'll see you next week. See ya. The infamous podcast is recorded in Kings Mills, Ohio, just North of Cincinnati. You can find new episodes every Sunday on Apple podcast, YouTube, Spotify, Google podcast, our website, or anywhere podcasts are downloaded. This show is hosted by Daryl Jasper and me, Brian Tudor. To find more information about the show, visit us at infamouspodcast.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at infamouspodcast to keep up with the show. We also have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash infamouspodcast. We have some great rewards for our patrons who are looking for help to grow the show to bring you more of the content you want to hear. Music for this podcast is provided by Michael Henry from meetmichaelhenry.com. So, whenever you're listening to us, have a great day, night, evening, weekend, whenever it is, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.